three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Fit and Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, on Apple and Spotify, or wherever you choose to digest your weekly NFL podcast. Dan Wolkenstein, we got a fun one today. We are back live. Uh, always enjoy doing the live show so we can get, of course, the live comments from the rest of <laughs> our viewers. But we got a lot of Chargers news uh, that we're going to be covering today. Can't wait to get into it. But first and foremost, as always, Dan Wolkenstein, how are you doing? Proud Papa, new new addition to the Wolkenstein family. How are you, sir? I am good. I am good. Uh, definitely going off of less sleep than I'm used to, but uh, I cannot complain. Uh, baby girl is doing amazing. She's actually sleeping. Uh, it's a whole new world here, but uh, all is good. Thank you, sir. Chargers fans, how are you? Welcome to Chargers Unleashed. Again, if you are live, feel free to give us any comments, suggestions, topics, and we can go ahead and add those as we go through. Fun, fun show today. But before we get into our agenda, Jake, my friend, how are you? Yeah, we got to always make sure we uh, take care of the bills, take care of the sponsors, of course. So we want to just remind our viewers that our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting and sports needs. Find all the latest in sports developments, including the updated odds for the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball. UFC fights, and even next year's future NFL bets. So BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head on over to the website today and use your mobile device to join uh, using the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, Dan, we got a lot to cover today. Obviously, some new news with the Chargers over... These last couple days, especially earlier today, and then a very interesting topic that you and I were discussing that that we felt, you know, during this, I like to call it the time of purgatory, like between rookie mini camp, between, you know, when OTAs really get started, you kind of start taking a look at the roster. Obviously, everybody's high off the draft and especially these free agent signings for the Chargers, but you start looking into 2022 and which which players are really on the rock bubble for next year. So we're going to be talking about some make or break years for, we got six players. Hopefully we'll cover them. There arguably could be more. Uh, we'd love to hear your guys' opinion on it as well. But we got six players that we're going to talk about that are going into what we believe are make or break seasons for them. For folks in the chat who are watching live, who do you feel, question for you guys, who do you feel has the biggest Make or break season for this Chargers team. Offense, defense, special teams, you tell us. We'll give you our six, but I'm curious what your opinions are. Jake, before we get into the six, let's go through some quick housekeeping. Uh, Chargers are adding to their depth, and it's looking pretty good. You saw eye emojis going all over the place yesterday and today. Eye emojis all over the place. And it paid off. <laughs> yeah, Chargers add depth to their edge slash defensive line. They add Morgan Fox, formerly with the Rams. Uh, so familiar with the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, defensive scheme. Added to this Chargers defense as well as some offensive line depth. Jake, what are your thoughts on the two signings this week? I mean, let's start with the, the one from today, Morgan Fox. I mean, this is just another familiar face that was in Brandon Staley's scheme. Um, comes in, and this is and this is another guy who, a lot like Kyle Van Noy, can just be versatile. I think they're going to utilize him more along the interior of the defensive line, and occasionally he can play outside in the edge rusher position. But, and we're going to talk about this a lot more with the specific someone that we have on this list as it relates to their roster spot overall. But this is another low key, great free agent depth signing for the Chargers defense. And again, I mean, you go back to our perspective episode that we had last year, just look at what this team has done in one single season to overhaul 
not just what they've done offensively, just focus on the defense for five seconds. Look what they've done in one season to overhaul that through free agency and the draft. I mean, it's nothing short of spectacular. And now you bring in Morgan Fox, the familiarity that he's had with Coach Staley, obviously the familiarity that he had with playing uh, with Sebastian Joseph Day in the Rams defense during their time there. I think this this is going to be a great depth piece. So Talk about camp battles to watch, Dan, when we get to those down the line when it comes to the interior of the defensive line. Just a reminder, the Chargers only kept five, <laughs> five of those players last year on the roster. So I think they'll keep more this year given who's on the roster, but it's definitely going to make things a hell of a lot more enticing. Yes, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this defensive line shapes out to be in terms of the the actual final roster. Um, which we'll talk about more as we get into a uh, sneak preview. One of the guys who is on our top six of guys on the hot seat. Uh, also, Jake, Chargers added offensive line depth as well. They were able to claim guard Zach Bailey, formerly from the Washington Commanders. Chargers seem to have 47,000 guards on this team. What do you see as why they are going so guard heavy? Do you think that means that they already got their starting five? I will dive more into this very, very shortly, as I think that if you're paying attention, you may not agree with it. I may be right there with you, but the Chargers may be fully showing their cards as far as what their plan is at right tackle without actually coming out and saying it. Um, We know that they had pursued Wes Martin, who was a former guard. They weren't able to get him. He was claimed, went to another team. Uh, Same thing with Drew Him. uh, Was it Himmelman? Drew Himmelman, he ended up getting yep. claimed, and the Chargers had put a, uh, a waiver claim on him as well, missed. But they were able to get Zach Bailey, who went on waivers from the Washington Commanders. Um, and again, this is another guard piece. So you're thinking to yourselves, the question still stands, what are the Chargers going to do at right tackle? They invested heavily with guards in the NFL draft. You've now made a few of these offensive line depth maneuvers here through free agency and after and following the draft. So that question mark still stands. What are you going to do? And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. So, but I think if you're paying attention and you do the math, this is another depth signing that just could show their cards a little bit. Yeah. And I think folks are looking for early on, like, are we going to get like a premier tackle uh, in free agency or maybe in the draft? Uh, Chargers didn't go that way. And I think right now it looks pretty clear that whoever they are bringing in is for the back end of the depth, not the front end of the depth for the offensive line. So uh, I think you're right. I do think this starter is already on this team. Um, But let's get into it, Jake. So we've got six guys you and I have come up with, and we haven't heard either one of our kind of feelings on these other than who the six guys are. So I can't wait to kind of hear this discussion as we go. So it looks like we've got, I believe, one, two, three, four guys on defense, two guys on offense. Which side of the ball you want to start on? Surprise me. All right. Uh, let's start on the defensive side uh, by starting with someone who I think everyone is kind of clamoring at, uh, chomping at the bit to see what happens, especially when we saw what happened uh, today with Morgan Fox coming onto this team. Jerry Tillery. Oof. On the hot seat, biggest things to prove this year, make or break, I think, is an understatement for him this year. Uh, A very, I don't even want to say polarizing. Like, there are lots of guys who are already ready to give up on Tillery. The team, not so much. Uh, And let me remind you that he actually has improved every single year he's been on this team. Now, is the benchmark low? Yes. But uh, he did play almost 80% of the snaps last season that he was in. Uh, healthy anyways, 21 quarterback pressures, nine quarterback knockdowns in 2022, not a lot. Team did decline his fifth-year option on his last year of his contract. Uh, You see what the Chargers did at his position, right, Jake? They go out and get Khalil Mack. They go out and get uh, Kyle Van Noy. They've got two more defensive linemen now that were signed at the beginning of free agency. Now you bring in Morgan Fox. There's a lot of cluster (laughs) right there at his position. And in the past, you have talked about like shots fired. And I remember when we talked about Kenneth Murray coming on in place of Denzel Perryman. Is this a shots fired moment for him? Like, I know he's on the hot seat. I know this is a make or break season. 
is the signing today kind of like he, he his his days here are numbered? I think so, Dan. Uh, you say the hot seat. I mean, arguably maybe the hottest seat out of all the the six players that we're going to talk about. And truthfully, it may already be they may have already said without saying it that he's got one foot out the door. You know, as you mentioned, they decline his fifth year option for next year. You go out and you completely revamp the defensive line. We obviously have talked about it nauseum how much of a problem the interior defensive line was last year when it came to getting quarterback pressure, stopping the run. And Dan, now look at the look at the Chargers defensive line room now. And this is not even including the likes of Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack in this. Just look at the interior defensive line, which Tillery was drafted as to get that interior defensive line pressure. But now you add Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Tito, that you drafted in the what was it, the fifth round? Mm-hmm. Christian Covington, Morgan Fox today. Let's not forget Brendan Fahoku, one of my favorites, Forrest Merrill. I mean, that is a Joe lot. Joe Gaziano. Of like yes, that is a lot of competition already for them, and they're not going to be able to keep everybody. So would I be surprised if am – I, am, I, am I sitting here saying that Jerry Tillery is not going to be on the Chargers roster come – beginning of the regular season? No, I don't think that they'll do that considering that you invested a first round pick in him and you'll probably try to milk him for all that he's worth in 2022. But, you know, again, Dan, that, that declining of the fifth year option is, is really telling to me. And you had said it, you know, he's progressively gotten better each one of his years. Last year, he had 51 total tackles, 24 of them solo, four and a half sacks. It's just not where you would expect to see a former first-round pick in his third year. Um, And they've tried to use him in a variety of different ways in order to get him wins, whether it's through the interior of the defensive line. They've used him sometimes on the edge. And, again, the flashes have been there, but they're only flashes. And the inconsistencies are all over the place. So... For me, I think that Jerry Tillery is on the hottest seat out of anybody that we're going to talk about here on this show today and arguably may have one foot out the door given what the Chargers have already indicated, not just from the players that they brought in, but of course declining that fifth fifth year option on him as well. Willie Bowen has a comment here. I pray that Alexander Horvath fullback makes Los Angeles Chargers roster. He can block as well as goal line score. He is not on our hot seat. He is not a make or break player on our list, but I would agree. Uh, question came in here wondering from, let's see, Bob Swanson. Will Zach be in the mix for starting right tackles? Bob, we will be discussing that momentarily. So stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Jake. So I guess the question for you before we move on to the next guy, I'm going to rattle off some guys and you tell me who is going to be the odd man out. Okay. You got Sebastian Joseph Day. He's on the roster, right? That's one. Austin Johnson. That's two. Atito was just drafted. That's three. They just signed Morgan Fox. That's four. So we're already at four defensive tackles, not including Tillery, Covington, Fajoko, Gaziano, or Merrill. So Covington, Tillery, Fajoko, Gaziano, Merrill. Who are you keeping? See, <laughs> like, that's I'll tough. Be- I'll be biased a little bit just because I like Forrest Merrill. I liked when he played sparingly what he brought to the game. And the guy's just a wrecking ball. He really is. So I'd be interested to see what he's going to be able to do in year two. Um, hopefully he can have a nice training camp and and good enough that he can make this roster. I think the Chargers are going to... I think the Chargers may keep Covington just because I think that they would still like a little bit more of that veteran presence in there. And he's a He's an okay rotational piece, not the not the best, but the Chargers obviously saw something in him to to bring him back to the roster. And then you have Brandon Fajoko, which I think is I I would love to see Brandon Fajoko back with this roster. I would actually be surprised if he was the odd man out, considering I felt that he made a really nice leap in his production and his limited snaps that he was able to play last year. So reality, if you were to say like who's in the bottom two or like, three of that yeah, yeah like how many how many are they keeping do you think like how think many defensive tackles or i think that, i think that they'll keep six i think that they'll keep six any more than that may is, is stretching it for how many how many players you're going to keep at other positions so, so we got sjd one go, austin right. johnson two yep. Ogbenia three yep morgan fox four mm-hmm. and then you got one or two guys left who are the other two 
again, I still think that they'll ultimately keep Tillery in the final year of his deal to get what they can out of him. And I'd say you keep, I'd say you keep Fajoko, and then is it a combination of Covington and Merrill at that point? Who knows? You, you, you couldn't, because then the last one would be, you said Fajoko. Did I, Fajoko was the seventh? Fajoko was the sixth. Oh, Fajoko was the sixth. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, well, then, yeah. Then so, that would... so Covington's out. Merrill's out. Gaziano's out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I mean, dude. That's wild. Look competition iron sharpening iron it's never a bad thing but there's going to be some names just based off of, we're just talking about one position group here mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the rest yet but can you just imagine what the training camp battle is going to be just with this group alone this is nuts and one of these names is going to piss some people off for the fact that they're not going to be on this roster anymore so just prepare yourself for that it's going to be an unfortunate thing to happen but yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be wild. All right. So the next guy on defense, and I think this might actually come as a surprise to some as we say this, but uh, I think as we start discussing this a little bit more, I think folks will kind of understand where we're coming from. Uh, just one year ago, re-signed a three-year contract with the Chargers, was CB1 Michael Davis. Jake, we believe is on the hot seat has a make-or-break season in 2022. And what a world are, that we are living in that someone that was just signed as an extension, homegrown talent, could be looking from the outside looking in when you got guys like Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson, J.T. Woods, all ahead of him on the depth chart, it seems. Again, J.T. Woods kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife, so he can kind of go all over the place. But he could be cb three or four right now. And if that's the case, are you going to spend that much capital per year on the position that arguably is very low in priorities for this team? I mean, look, I thought a lot of people thought that when the first reports were coming out of JC Jackson joining this team, just, was was not going to happen. Not only from the the market that J.C. Jackson was going to have, but just from the sheer number standpoint. And even this is on the heels of the Chargers giving Mike Davis that contract, and of course, drafting Asante Samuel Jr. in this in the second round of last year's draft. And they did it. And not only have they made that move, you've since the draft gone out and signed Bryce Callahan as depth. The Defensive back depth that you signed in the or that you selected in the draft between J.C. Woods, uh, Jasir Taylor, Deontay Leonard, you've obviously put enough investment into that unit because you knew that last year the Chargers what was it last in the league in in third down <laughs> third down defensive conversions for what they allowed to opposing offenses, and Dan it was hinted it was kind of even hinted just prior to the draft, if anybody listened to the NFL stock exchange, when Daniel Popper was on there, he even alluded to it, that the chargers may not be as high on Michael Davis as previously thought. So now we're heading into the second year of this newly signed contract for Michael Davis. And, you know, last year there was flashes at times, but other times of just being out of positioning or bad tackling. And it wasn't, it wasn't the player that we thought that was going to come on. Now, now physically, measurably wise, Michael Davis is still one of the bigger defensive backs that you have on this roster. So obviously that holds a lot of versatility for the Chargers, and they like their bigger defensive backs, especially when you're going to pair them with J.C. Jackson. So it could be a formidable style of a cornerback group that you could have here for as much versatility as these guys can play with. But, Dan, I don't know. I don't know this, this to me for Mike Davis, again, this only being a three-year contract, I'd love to see the numbers ultimately about what the chargers could get out from underneath this. If this indeed ends up being Michael Davis's final year with the team, but I see this as a truly, I see this as a real make or break year for him. And strictly just because of what you saw the chargers invest in last year, and even go back to Brandon Staley's comments that he made before the draft, you can never have enough defensive backs. So in this type of a defense with the guys that they have brought on this roster, much like the defensive line, it's going to be a hell of a training camp. 
I mean, M- Michael Davis played almost 90% of the snaps last year. And, and for folks who remember when he first signed that extension, folks were thinking like, man, he's going to have a breakout season. He went from CB1, he was arguably CB1 or CB2 the year prior. He should be doing better. They're kind of betting on the future for him. And I think a lot of people were kind of underwhelmed with how he played last year. He struggled at times. Uh, he did improve in some areas, like his completion percentage allowed was a lot better. I think he went from 61% to 53%. Uh, he did allow a bit less. But in terms of just overall, like, ask yourself, Bryce Callahan, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Mike Davis, one of those guys is making more than all but one of them, but arguably a CB4. Like, Michael Davis is making, I think, what, eight, nine million a year? And right now, I don't think he's higher than CB4. But again, I mean, I know there, I know Brandon Staley has kind of like, there is no starters. There's just like guys who play and they're all kind of positionless and they kind of got our own rotation. But I think in terms of who's going to have the most snaps, the writing's, the writing's on the wall. And I can't believe we're saying this because I, I like Michael Davis. But the way the Chargers have kind of developed this roster, it's tough, man. It's tough. So Michael Davis, number two of six of the guys that we have as make or break candidates. All right, Jake, ready for this one? Number three? Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to stick on defense. Okay. Uh, fan favorite, when this person was drafted, I think, Jake, you kind of lost a little bit and then you kind of came back to reality a little bit. And then since then, uh, he had a pretty good rookie season and then his sophomore season just did not go well. He had ton of injuries. Kenneth Murray going into year three only played like 370 snaps last year. Uh, and when he was healthy, he only played like less than 50% of the snaps. Injury riddled 2022 preseason and regular season. And even in the six games he did play, only had two tackles for a loss, zero quarterback hits, zero sacks, gave up 129.2 passer rating on 11 of 12 completions. Look lost. And look, we we like Kenneth Murray. And I wish Kenneth Murray was wanting or was able to do more. And look, it's it sucks when you're behind the eight ball and you can't get out of the field and you're injured, injury plagued in a new scheme. Like he had a lot of stuff going ahead of him. But that being said, a lot of folks are looking for a big year from Kenneth Murray. And a lot of folks are thinking this might be a good year for him, actually being able to be healthy knock on wood but Kenneth Murray again looking at how the roster is constructed and looking how the linebacker position is I guess you could say deprioritized from Brandon Staley's scheme how many linebackers are they going to keep on this roster and would Kenneth Murray could he possibly like be off the team if he doesn't perform well this year Let's just go back a little bit again. This is you're talking about a player who the Chargers felt so confidently in that Tom Telesco had to trade back into the first round to select him, surrendered draft capital to go up and get him. And when we watched him play his first year, Dan, I think everybody kind of forgets this because of how poor year two was. And then, of course, all the recent news that we've gotten of him going back in to uh, get surgery on his ankle for lingering injuries that he sustained earlier last year. But let's not forget, in his rookie season, he had 107 tackles. It's not bad for a rookie linebacker. Not the best. Didn't, Didn't play out of his mind that we've seen from other players, but didn't have the worst rookie season of all time. And then, of course, defensive schemes switch out of (laughs) out of Gus Bradley's system. Brandon Staley comes in where linebackers are completely utilized different. Obviously, as far as free agency goes and the draft goes, maybe undervalued in terms of (laughs) how they're pursued. But last year, Dan, was just, oh, it couldn't have gotten much worse for Kenneth Murray. Not only battling injuries, the amount of games that he was able to participate in, that 107 tackles goes down all the way to 31. (laughs) And plenty of times, plenty of times was the ire of Chargers fans as far as what they saw from his play, that he was on the field, whether it was being out of position, who knows how much the injuries had something to do with that with him. But Dan, they, I mean, they had to address it in some way. You bring in Troy Reader, again, another familiar face from Brand Staley's old scheme. Kyle Van Noy, who I think is primarily going to 
live on the edge. I think if they needed an emergency situation, if the Chargers sustained a big injury at linebacker, I think he could flex in there. You have Eamon, who I know that the team is really high on. He's going to get some time in on there as well. I just don't know. This, if you if you really took an evaluation of the Chargers defense and looked at the depth aspects, the linebacker position is probably where it's the weakest. And especially after watching the season that Kaiser White had for you. And the Chargers couldn't come to an agreement on what he was looking for at the time. We as fans thought that he was going to get some huge contract because obviously we're seeing him every week. We're mm. watching what he can do. We know how good he was and ended up signing for pennies to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, you couldn't keep Kaiser White for that number? What's going on? So <laughs> it's real one way or another, it's going to have to be on Kenneth Murray's shoulders, not just from the standpoint of the organization investing that highly in him, but Dan, are you going to feel comfortable with a Troy reader starting for you? I, I don't, I, the, the question marks still linger around Eamon. We don't know how he could be. I would rather see Kyle Vanoy on the edge than playing middle linebacker, even though I know he's more than capable of doing it. But your depth there behind Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray is thin. I mean, the the thing is, like, you know, last year we had we had Drew Tranquil on and we had Kaiser White on the show. And they had talked about how, like, they took it personal when Staley came in because, like, typically, historically, he was kind of like a one linebacker scheme where, like, you and the linebackers were like, we want to have more than one of us out there. And it turns out, like, the linebacking squad didn't really make a good case for themselves last year for being frank. Uh, so in theory, looking at how this roster is constructed, they beefed up their defensive line like crazy. They went and ham on their secondary linebacker is a little light, but you've got reader tranquil Murray Van Noy, Amen. They're probably only going to have one, maybe two of those guys at most on the field. So in theory, a, a, a rotation of, Tranquil, Reader, Amon, Murray. If that's your four and you're rotating them for two spots and you have Van Noy that can either be there or on the edge. Like, I know people are a little like, oh, we don't have any linebackers. But like, given the type of scheme that Staley runs, like it's less of a concern to me as I think it is for some. And I think it's less of like a glaring oh shit moment. But still, like, it does make you question if Kenneth Murray doesn't perform this year, what is the reason for him to stay on this team? Like, and again, I'm not, I'm not even saying I don't want him on this team. I'm just asking the question. Like, I don't know what his purpose would be if he can't perform and can't start for this team. I mean, he has all the physical traits. The guy's an elite athlete and probably one of the best human beings on the team. But like, at some point you have to bring it on Sundays and, He's been hurt, and I feel bad for him. I hope that he crushes it this year, and I honestly think he's going to have a pretty good year, but it's just been tough because every year you're like, ah, ugh, and then you're kind of back to square one again. So Kenneth Murray, another one who is on the hot seat, make or break year for 2022. <sighs> Jake, here's a fun one. Uh, one of our favorites, friend of the show, one of the best hype video you'll ever see coming out of college from Delaware. The train has been full board the entire time. Actually had a pretty good season last year, but we do think that he is on the hot seat in terms of a make or break season this year, given the roster construction. Jake, let's talk about him. Nazir Adderley, make or break season. What say you? I think this may be actually one of the safest picks as far as future of the roster goes. Uh, out, of, out of the six guys that we're talking about here, Dan, as you mentioned, a very under the radar strong season from Nas, you know, and and we heard about it from the time that he was drafted as a second uh, a second round pick from the Chargers in 2019. Daniel Jeremiah said it immediately that Nasir Adderley and Derwin James will form the best strong safety and free safety matchup in the NFL. The only problem is, due to injuries to both of the players, respectively, we had to wait two years before we even got a glimpse of what it could look like. So last year, you finally get a, a healthy Derwin James and a healthy Nasir Adderley. 
And Nas just goes out and has 99 combined tackles, 69 solo. Uh, I thought he played with a lot more confidence, much more physical, much more aggressive in his playmaking. Had a handful of almost interceptions, and I think that's what the unfortunate thing. The one with the one against McLaurin just killed me. Oh my god! (laughs) Um, So yeah, the ball skills obviously definitely needs to improve if he can you know, somehow behind someone's back, just slap on that, stick him to his gloves at some point, just go out there. But he needs to be that ball hawk that he was at during his time at Delaware. But again, I still think for what he brings to this secondary to pair him with Derwin James. Now you bring in JT Woods, you're filling out that safety, uh, that safety squad with Alohi Gilman and Mark Webb. It's, it's not the best in terms of depth goes. There's still a lot of question marks behind it. And obviously Nas going down possibly would be a severe blow to this team as far as how you're going to retool it. But I personally think as far as future goes for him, I think if he can have another repeat year the way he had last year, Dan, I think that he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Nazir Adderley, honestly, I think looked very good. And the ball hawking, you mentioned it. Like Even though he was able to finish some of those plays, he was still kind of that ball hawk. I mean, it was kind of surprised he wasn't able to finish because that's like what he hung his hat on when he's in Delaware. But like, it's kind of interesting now that they have JT Woods because it kind of puts a little bit of pressure, a little bit of heat on Azir Adderley because if he doesn't do well, you know, you got this other guy who's a freak athlete, crazy Raz score, and kind of could be a little redundant if Nazir Adderley continues to underperform in terms of like the hype that he had, which again, his hype was crazy when he came out of college. Probably should have been a first-round pick, but he wasn't. And he got injured for a bit, had a sophomore red sophomore redshirt season in 2020. But, I mean, you mentioned it. He did improve last year. Like, he actually did pretty good. His completion percentage against improved drastically from, like, 71% allowed in 2021 to down 10% to 61%. Only allowed, like, 30 of 49 completions, which you'll take that. Last year of his contract, he's... I think the biggest thing going against him is just the sheer competition in the, on the roster. Like they drafted Mark Webb, who they were super high on last year. They got JT Woods, who they are super high on this year with a high draft pick. They got Derwin James, obviously. Like I know they have kind of a, a safety by committee type thing on this team, but you're not going to beat out Derwin James. That's not happening. And I highly doubt you're going to be able to have both JT Woods and Nazir Adderley out there often. So it's going to be interesting. I do think Nazir Adderley does have kind of a leg up on the special team side. He does bring some depth there if that's needed uh, in terms of like returning. Now, JT Woods, you could argue, has that for being a gunner. Um, Alohi Gilman might be an odd man out. I, I don't know, but there's a ton of guys at the safety position. I think that's where Nazir Adderley, like you said, I, I think he might be the safest one where if he just plays pretty good, I think he's okay. But again, last year of his contract and other teams are probably going to be looking for guys who can have that ball hawking potential and you have to beat out the guys on your own squad. So I would hate for him to not be on this team. I love Nizir Adderley, but he has some heat behind him and it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out in terms of like training camp, off season, preseason, like who's going to get some of these roles and some of the snaps and what the position groups are going to look like, because that's going to be a pretty telltale sign for what we're going to see this season. Uh, all right. So before we get to the next guy, let's go ahead and get through some of these comments here. Uh, I don't know. Musarwari? <laughs> I'm terrible with names, Jake. Uh, recommends play Derwin at middle linebacker or on passing downs. So I guess the, the topic here really is like Derwin James is kind of positionless, right? Like he could play anywhere. And, you know, maybe if our linebacking core we mentioned isn't the greatest, you bring Derwin James in there at linebacker. Like, do you think that's an effective way to get those guys out on the field? Like, would you rather have the linebackers and Derwin James and not Nazir Adderley? Or would you rather have Derwin James, not the linebackers, and add more safety slash corners? I mean, let's just put it this way. Derwin James is going to be playing essentially everywhere besides nose tackle. And hell, he may even line up at, no, at D tackle along the, on the line and next to Sebastian Joseph Day. But I think, Dan, I tweeted about this earlier this week. 
much like the Chargers invested in putting the right pieces around Justin Herbert to succeed, have they filled all the pieces? No, but they put a good amount of pieces, especially around the offensive line for him last year to succeed. The same type of investment has been done through Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco to put Derwin James in the best position to succeed because Mm -hmm. Derwin is so multiple as far as outside of his natural position at strong safety. He can blitz. He can come off the edge. He can play. He can play down in the slot wherever you want him to play. Obviously, we know that he can cover tight ends. Essentially, he's just that multiple and he's that much of a chess piece and how versatile your defense could be. So, these moves that have been made throughout the entirety of this offseason, not just in the secondary, Dan, you increase your pass rush, that in turn is going to secondhandly better your secondary. So those are indirect moves that are helping this secondary unit as well and are in turn going to help Derwin James. So to me, if, if they want to play him in the middle, have him cover the field like that, whatever you need to bring him closer to the line, it doesn't matter. But These are moves that are made in order to make Derwin James be multiple, be his most valuable when he could be this versatile and put him all over the defense. Shaggy Elwood brings in a comment. If Nas plays too well, they won't pay him. If he plays too poorly, they'll get rid of him. Well, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. And I'll say this because number one, how much of a, what is a, what's the barometer of playing too well? right now for Nasir Adderley. Two, let's just say this was the final year or last year was Nas's final year. Knowing those stats, what do you think that that would fetch on the open market? Probably nothing too extravagant. And we already know that Derwin James, from the reports that we've gotten, the Chargers are going to get a long-term deal done with him. They would be absolutely, it would be another universe that we're talking if Derwin James is somehow not signed to a long-term deal with the Chargers. Uh, so all indications there are that it's going to get done. And if you can give a con contract extension to Mike Davis, then in my opinion, if he plays well and earns it, you can give one to Nasir Adderley at the right price. Last one and kind of right on cue uh, before we get over to the offensive side of the ball. Again, we've gone through four defensive players who are on the hot seat, have make or break seasons. We feel Uh, Robbie Remfeld. I think it's a make or break season for the whole team and Derwin. I believe if we don't meet or exceed expectations with this team, Derwin will walk next year. Jake, do you see any world in which Derwin James is A, even given the opportunity to walk, and B, if he's given that opportunity, decides to walk? No and hell no. This would be the equivalent of letting (laughs) Justin Herbert walk out the door. This is your quarterback of the defense. So I don't see how the Chargers... (laughs) already don't value Derwin James when you saw what he did during his rookie campaign and how much he really means to that defense. There's no way in hell the Chargers would let him go. Benjamin Holman, the fourth, has absolutely agreed, Jake. We built our defense around DJ, and he should exceed even his own expectations this year. I think all of us would agree, Jake. Derwin James is looking to – this is a great time for him to have the entire defense built around him on a contract year. I think he's going to be doing just fine, and it's going to be in L.A. for a while. Um, all right, so why don't we do Jake? Do you want to do offensive line or do you want to do a certain wide receiver? Yeah, first? man, you you go with it, pick them, throw them. Let's go. All right, well, let's go with the surprise last. So we'll go with offensive line first. Um, Sayu Falls has brought about Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. <laughs> Sioux Falls. I'm going Sayu Falls because that's what people know about it. Like, it's a small name school, you can barely pronounce it. Sayu Falls. It's almost as bad as you thinking that the Arizona Cardinals played in Scottsdale instead of Glendale last week. Which is worse because I actually went to ASU. So it made it even look, I was hilarious. That's lack of sleep. Really, yeah, that's I'm outing myself. I know you're a new dad and everything, but I would have expected you to retain that information. I'm outing myself. That's okay. Trey Pipkins, Jake. Uh this is a polarizing topic. I think lots of folks talked about the top of this. Uh, right tackle, starting position, even if it's roster depth. Trey Pipkins last year, 174 snaps, 68.5 PFF grade. Actually, not too bad. He actually looked pretty good in the limited action that he had. Now, granted, it was limited, and he did have some chips and some assistance from play scheme and uh, teammates. But again, zero sacks allowed. I think he definitely showed improvement. 
Uh, he's been doing a lot of off-season workouts with Rashawn Slater, Duke Manyweather. Got a lot of praise from them. Another guy last year on his contract. Chargers spent a lot of high capital. I think it was a third-round pick on him. And then followed up this year with going and getting like 15 offensive linemen. And now you wonder, like, are we seeing the last year of Trey Pipkins? Are we going to see a starting Trey Pipkins this year? Is he even going to be playing this year? Like, I think the Chargers, at whatever way they want to look at it, are probably going to be looking at more offensive tackles next year. But Trey Pipkins, if he doesn't have a very good season, either starting or coming off the bench in a backup role, I don't see them re-signing him. So what is the Chargers' ultimate plan at right tackle? We don't know. Out of all the free agency moves and all the draft selections that we were waiting for, we still are wondering what are the Chargers going to do to upgrade their right tackle position? Uh, Dan, I put it to you last week. I gave the I gave the poll to you. Better possibility of happening. Matt Filer moves to right tackle. Do you do the Trey Pipkin Storm Norton combination 2.0, or do you go out and you sign another big time free agent? Darrell Williams is a guy who I've been clamoring to to be part of this team for months now. He was released on my honeymoon back in March from the the Buffalo Bills and put in a good season with them. I know it's even been here in the comments, but he's a guy that I'm still astounded given his versatility along the offensive line is still out there. So that's always one that's been a mark of, of, of mine as far as what I thought would be a perfect fit. But so now you get back to this right tackle position. And this is where I was alluding to at the beginning of the show, when we were talking about the moves that the Chargers have been making as far as their pursuant, as far as offensive line depth goes, are they already showing their cards for what their plan is? So we know that they targeted Wes Martin, wasn't able to get him. We know that they pursued Drew Himmelman, wasn't able to get him. Even though he was more of a tackle, he definitely wasn't a guy that you would expect to come in and start at right tackle. This, that was more of a depth piece. And then ultimately, this week, you signed Zach Bailey, who is another depth guard piece. So what's it going to be, Dan? And I think the best, the best option, not that I'm predicting this is what's going to happen, and personally, it's not my favorite option, but this is the one that makes the most sense to me is that you move Matt Filer at this point to the right tackle position and you bring in Zion Johnson and you have him start in his place. And yes, I would want continuity along the offensive line. Matt Filer played tremendous at left guard. I would love for him to stick there. But given the options that you currently have and his experience at also being that versatile and playing at right tackle, I think that that's the, where the Chargers are going to go initially. So you, so I, with that, so with that, you'd have Filer as a right tackle. You'd have what Sawyer and Johnson as your guards. Whether it's Sawyer, whether it's Brennan Hymas, who knows? It could be Abushi, any combination. And whether Abushi comes back, that's been teased. I don't know if that's still in the works for the Chargers going out and drafting two guards. Who knows? There's a plethora of possibilities. But this is the one that makes the most sense, not just from a starting standpoint, but overall the results from, from Filer playing at right tackle and having that experience there, albeit not with this team, but overall it's been well. Now, you get back to the Trey Pipkins situation. If that's if that's where the Chargers are going to end up going, we have to rewind a little bit here, Dan, because Trey Pipkins numerous times has been the heir of conversation on the Chargers Unleashed podcast. <laughs> and I and I I really hate to do that, especially after what he put forth last year in his improvement, all being it sparingly, all being in two games and in certain situations, totally get that. But for Pipkins as a former third round pick from Telesco, when he stepped in against the Chiefs and the Broncos, it just looked a hell of a lot different. And in, they were big time games that the Chargers needed, although defenses that he were going up against were not <laughs> as good as they should have been. So take that for what it's worth. But we know that uh, Trey Pipkins has been training with Duke Manyweather, FYI, for anybody that doesn't know, 
Rashawn Slater trains with him as well. So he spent a lot of time working on his mental aspects of the game, his technique. He, what we read about, especially from Frank Smith, who no longer is the Chargers offensive line coach, was able to really get a lot of growth from him. So can Brendan Nugent, who's the Chargers' new offensive line coach, can he keep that going in Trey Pipkins? Are you going to give it one more shot with Trey Pipkins in a starting role? I don't know. Because you're talking about the AFC West now, and the AFC conference in general is just littered with talent. And when you didn't have a strong starting right tackle last year, it was a weakness for the Chargers offensive line in a big, big way and in big, big matchups that the Chargers had to win. And the right tackle and giving up pressures from that side were ultimately the their downfall when it came to offensive production. So, it, again, if that's the way, route that the Chargers are going to go, that's a huge vote of confidence for Trey Pipkins. People may not like it. People may, may not be confident with it. And I would side with you on that because I would completely understand why. But just imagine, Dan, if he's able to grow from what he did in his small sample size last year. It's going to be, I think the fascinating part, I think this is what people, what gives people some concern is if you just look at the current tackle death chart, you've got Trey Pipkins, or sorry, you got Rashawn Slater, obviously. Then you've got, then you got what? Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton. Is that it? I mean, Hymas can technically but I'm saying he's a guard. Tackle. Yeah, he's a guard. But, I mean, he could play tackle if you needed it in an emergency situation, obviously. But yes, the, the the tackle depth, there's really nobody. If the Chargers don't go out and sign anybody and it's not Matt Filer moving to right tackle, then there's really nobody there to give the hook to either Pipkins or Johnson, or excuse me, Norton, if they play bad. But the, one of the things you saw the Chargers do a ton this offseason was draft, for, draft and sign for versatility. And so there's a ton of guards, like you mentioned, that can also play tackle, i.e. Matt Filer, i.e. Jamari Sawyer has played tackle, i.e. honestly, Jermaine John- or Zion Johnson can also play tackles, done so in the past. Brandon Hymas could potentially play tackle. So there's a lot of guys who like are really nervous about the tackle position. And oh, by the way, Matt Filer can also play. But it's funny. I- as the Chargers are building their depth, they get more and more and more and more offensive line depth and less of them are offensive tackle depth specifically. It does make it seem as though it'd be kind of weird now to not put Filer or one of those other guys not named Pipkins, if not starting right tackle, at least camp battle to start a right tackle. I, I, I think... They want it to be Trey Pipkins in terms of like keeping everything consistency on the left side of the offensive line and having, uh, you know, everything built from the way they want it to be. But they got guys who could play versatile, positionless offensive line. So again, Trey Pipkins, hot seat. I think this is his make or break season. If he does not play well, I'm not saying average anymore. If he does not play well, either starting or in backup duties, I think he's off the team. And you can't really argue that. Like, I don't know how you can argue he stays on the team and gets resigned if he's not. So, Jake, we have gone through five of our make-or-break players for this Chargers 2022 season. We've gone through Jerry Tillery, Michael Davis, Kenneth Murray, Nazir Adderley, Trey Pipkins... And our number six, who we may actually be opening some eyes, um, raising some eyebrows here, but hear us out. Number six on our list, wide receiver, Mr. Jalen Guyton. Now, I'm, I'm pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> Jalen Guyton, we like on this show. Jalen Guyton is a very good wide receiver for this scheme. Jalen Guyton is kind of the de facto wide receiver three, or at least was before Josh Palmer was drafted. He at least was last year. Uh, but if you look at it in totality, 
450 yards, 31 receptions, three touchdowns last season. Uh, he did improve a bit in his catch percentage. I know his 2021 season, he dropped a ton of balls. He went from 51% completion percentage in 2020, raised it to 65% in 2022. And because of that, I think in, in touch, his quarterback rating when targeted was up like 30 points. He went from 86.2 passer rating in 2020 to 116 in 2021. So he definitely improved in 2021. Now here's the, here's the other side of that coin. All offseason, Jake, Chargers fans, Chargers everywhere, we're talking about the possibility of having more speed on this offense, which is kind of weird if that's kind of what Guyton's role is, is speed. You heard everybody looking at possible options for, you know, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams at 17, going out and getting like a Brandon Cooks or someone crazy fast, Christian Kirk before he got the bananas contract on the Cardinals. Like, sorry, sorry, not the Cardinals, the Jaguars. Um, Jalen Guyton, for as much as we like on this team, and he fits a need, there kind of has like the grass is green on the other side feel to him where they brought in like a DeAndre Carter, who, in my opinion, is going to bring some offensive juice this year for the Chargers, along with a possibility of a Joe Reed, kind of the same mold. Josh Palmer is right on his heels. And honestly... Like, do you think that Josh Palmer isn't going to overtake Jaden Guyton by the end of the season? Like, if I was a betting man, I kind of think he would in terms of snaps. And moving forward, there's still folks clamoring for more quote-unquote speed. They want to take the top off the off the defense. As much as we like Jalen Guyton, as much as I think he fits this team well, I do think the there are eyes that are kind of looking elsewhere at what can be done to improve that spot. It's not just a two receiver league anymore. And if they can go three wide receivers deep and good, if Josh Palmer could be that dude, I think he's on the outside looking in. I can't disagree with anything you said, honestly, all valid points. You were asking, is Josh Palmer currently on his heel? I think he's already overtaken him. And that's, that's evident outside of the, Highlight reel that everybody loves to show from Justin Herbert just bombing it down the field to Jalen Guyton against the Giants, which is still just a fantastic (laughs) highlight to watch. But I think what you saw when Josh Palmer was elevated due to having to be that guy because of whether it was COVID-related issues or injury issues to Mike Williams or other players and why they weren't able to play, I thought Josh Palmer stepped up in a big way. I really did. And I think for what they invested in him, does he have the speed aspect? No, but I think as far as where he's at on the depth chart aspect, I think he's actually already overtaken Jalen Guyton in that regard. So to me, right now, I see Jalen Guyton as wide receiver four. But the essence of speed, Dan, and you alluded to that, which I still think is one of the more surprising things that the Chargers did not come out of the draft with because we, all the indications that we heard, whether it was through mock drafts or insiders or whatever you were listening to at that point in time. So at some point, especially with how deep this wide receiver class was that the chargers were going to address speed in some form or fashion. And they never did. Now, does that mean that if a Chris Olave or a Jamison Williams wasn't on the board at 17, that they wouldn't have taken him? No, but Brandon Staley comes out after the draft and says, we're good with our wide receiver group. That may be somewhat true, somewhat true. You just weren't able to get the guys that you wanted to get. So what does this mean for Jalen Guyton? Well, it should mean a huge vote of confidence for him as far as what the team needs to do with him, as far as his role on the team. He's not directly threatened this year as it relates to someone coming in as a new face. It's all familiar faces with him. I don't see Joe Reed coming in and and overseeing him in his role. He's still, as far as receivers goes, the fastest one that we have, the only other one you said, Dan, DeAndre Carter, but he's really going to be, what, wide receiver six at best, and he's going to be our new kick returner, punt returner. So Jalen Guyton's sitting in a great seat right now and a fantastic opportunity to really prove his worth and make the Chargers coaches feel good about the fact that they didn't go out and pursue a speed option at wide receiver Jalen Guyton could be it. Now, the 
the, the numbers aren't there. The numbers don't support that. And I get that. But, and it's, and again, it's also a, a variable of, of different things as it relates to this offense. Sure. When you're talking about playing along the likes of, alongside the likes of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, we've already mentioned Josh Palmer, the overall offensive scheme in general. We haven't even mentioned the tight end weapons or the running backs that you have at this. This team is just loaded. But when you really look at the wide receiver group, he really stands out as a with a good opportunity that if the Chargers are going to implement a lot more speed, maybe that means a lot more snaps for Jalen Guyton in this offense. Maybe it tweaks a little bit about them firing it downfield more often this year because you sure as hell did seem to do that a lot more with Justin Herbert in his rookie year between Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson at the time. Balls were just flying all over the place, no pun intended. <laughs> but Jalen Guyton is sitting actually in a very good opportunity to pay dividends for the team and himself. Now, the the part that I think is interesting is, you, know, you think about last year, right? Like Tyron Johnson, everyone was like, oh, he's wide receiver three in, in training camp. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like he's cut. Still gone. will never understand that move. So could Guyton, like that could, like we say that couldn't happen to Guyton, but like it could, like it could, which is the crazy part. And again, like last year, you heard Brandon City say that wide receiver is arguably the best in terms of depth position on this roster. And you got guys like Jalen Moore, who I still really like. You've got Joe Reed, John Drake Carter. I mean, I can go, we can go eight, nine deep on this wide receiving core. But the fact remains, Guyton is that quote unquote speed guy, but guys are still wanting more of a speed guy, which is why I think he is kind of on a make or break season because what he gives you, I think the chargers and whether it's in free agency or the draft, I think there's a lot of guys that could be the speed guy if that's all he's doing for you. And again, like hasn't broken 500 yards ever for this team. So I don't know if it's going to happen. I just don't. A um, couple questions from the chat here before we log off here. Uh, guys, thanks so much for tuning in, by the way. I love all of the interactions you've had. Um, Sweet Jumps, love the name. Sweet Jumps says OBJ question mark. Jake, do you think the Chargers go after a wide receiver in free agency between now and the end of preseason? First off, let me just correct you real quick, Dan. So Jalen Guyton had two years ago at 511 yards, just Sorry. barely. But yes, I get your point. The barely, numbers aren't going to be barely 500 yeah. yards. <laughs> the, the numbers aren't going to be spectacular for him. Now, getting back to the question, do I think that the Chargers are going to pursue a wide receiver through free agency at this point in time? I think the only the best opportunity that you would have of possibly doing this is when the cuts start coming through training camp. And I say that just based off of, if you're talking about a big name or a guy who could be yielding a big contract number, even at the vet minimum, especially with who the Chargers have signed over the last two weeks. Again, they're not the biggest name, but they still take a little bit of the cap. You are pretty much at the end of the well, as far as all the cap space that you had, that you still have draft picks to sign. Let's not forget that one. You still have to take care of those. So, the only possibility that I could see this happening before regular season, if a surprise name happens to c come available that fits the speed aspect of what the Chargers are looking for with any possible surprise cuts through training camp. If they're even looking for speeds, herbalist, herbalist. I'm finally getting his name right, Jake. Are you impressed? Uh, what other speed guy, he asked, what other speed guy will do more than what Guyton does on this current roster? I will answer your question with a question of do the Chargers need another speed guy to be successful? You look at some of the really bona fide championship rosters that have won Super Bowls. A lot of them haven't had speed guys, and that's not the way that they win. Like, they win with efficiency, and they win with defense, and they win with special teams, and they win with being able to milk clock and running the ball and do all that kind of stuff. The Chargers are built for efficiency on offense right now. You look at what they brought in with Jalen Everett, who I think is going to be a huge piece. Not enough people are talking about him. You look at kind of the one-two head monster with both 
Austin Eckler and Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller, I think, is going to be a huge impact. You've got two very good wide receivers, arguably two top 15 wide receivers in the NFL, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. An up-and-coming Josh Palmer. You have a stud left tackle, a stud left guard, a stud center, a very good right guard in theory. And then depending on what you do at right tackle, we don't know. I don't necessarily know if the Chargers are really looking or in need of that speed guy, which again goes back to, could he be an odd man out? Like if they don't think that's going to bring them as much success as they would like, do they need to keep him on the roster? I don't know. I, my gut says he's here. I don't think he's going to get cut. I like Jalen Guy and I think he's going to be on there, but I do wonder sometimes given all the other playmakers on this team and given his skill set, like I think, I don't want to say it's expendable, but I think there are a lot of options for guys that can fill that role if it's not Jalen Guyton, if they want to. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, again, we're we're technically nitpicking here about wide receiver <laughs> four. I mean, let's just, let's take a broad view of our conversation here. But I think the real question mark of the speed aspect is when you look at the the elite of the AFC. <laughs> even outside of the AFC West, as far as the weapons that are included in this division. But when you look at what Kansas City did, even after letting Tyreek Hill go, you go out and you get Juju Smith-Schuster, Monte, uh, Valdez Scantling, you draft Sky Moore in the draft. You try mm-hmm. your best to replace that. Do I think it's going to replace it, even with three players? No, I don't. I think it's going to be a very different type of offense, but they're still loading up on weapons when you have a a quarterback like that in Patrick Mahomes. Look what they have in Buffalo right now. Gabriel Davis, my God, his, his just real coming out party for everybody to see him nationally. What he did in the playoffs was spectacular. You add that with Stephon Diggs and what they have there in Buffalo. You look at the three headed monster that's in Cincinnati right now, even at wide receiver position, like you mentioned, Dan, it's no longer just about having one or two guys. It's, you, it's having that third or that fourth guy that could come through for you in the big time moments. And that's just the way that it's going with the AFC West conference or excuse me, the AFC conference in general, because it's just so bonkers right now with the way people have loaded up on weapons, specifically a wide receiver. You see the berserk numbers that are being given out in as far as the contracts go. So it's just another aspect of looking for an additional weapon. And the other fact that Jalen Guyton has been, serviceable, but not that next wide receiver three when you compare him to the rest of the guys in the conference. Fair, which I think is why he has kind of a make or break feel to me. It's because if he's not that guy, I think the Chargers are looking for that. And so if he doesn't do that this year, I think he might be looking elsewhere next season. So Jake, that is the six guys we have as make or break candidates for 2022 on the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, for folks who are listening, tuning in, watching live, we are going to go through a couple comments here. So send them in before we sign off here. Uh, Jake, James Wagner, friend of the show, has a comment. Outside of solidifying the right tackle position, this team to me appears to be a complete team. I am so season ready. Bring on the Raiders in all caps. So Jake, do you agree? Other than right tackle, is this the most complete team you've seen from a Chargers roster since Telesco has been here? It's damn close not to argue otherwise. Are there, is it completely filled at every single position? No. Are there still holes or still question marks as it relates to starters and depth? 100%. Whether we're looking at uh, linebacker that we mentioned earlier, right tackle being the most obvious, but in terms of, the depth that you've put around the other pieces at offensive line, the re- the entire revamping that you've done to your defense, not just from a secondary standpoint, from a defensive line standpoint, in one season, <laughs> in one season, we were all questioning how were the Chargers going to spend their money when they have never had this much cap space to deal with it historically. And they did it in the best possible way to reshape this defense. So you invested in Justin Herbert in 2021. You invested in this defense because you really needed it in 2022. It's damn close to it. Now you just got to go out there and you got to put on results. And and the crazy part is if Matt Filer is our right tackle, then you could argue linebacker, 
is the only real weakness on this team in which linebacker might very well be the least prioritized position on this roster. So for how much work they had cut out for them going into this offseason, for them to be able to fix and improve that many positions on both sides of the ball, especially on defense, though, is pretty dang remarkable. Jake, anything else we want to talk about with the good friends of Chargers Unleashed Nation before we head out of here for the rest of the week? Well, before we head out of here, I do think, Dan, that we do need to tease a little bit of what is coming on uh, in the coming weeks because there are <laughs> there's some big things for Chargers Unleashed. So you've got the full itinerary. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So, guys, if you guys, gals, there are also women here. We love having all of you on the show. Uh, there's going to be quite the number of things happening here for Chargers Unleashed and LA Football Network in the next several weeks. We've got uh, some crazy special guests. I would argue maybe the biggest special guest we've had on our show to date, possibly next week, maybe. Uh, we've got some possible player signings. We've got some Chargers tickets for giveaways. We've got some collaborations with some other uh, clubs here. We've got some crossovers in store with some other Chargers podcasts. I mean, the next few, I would say the next month, I don't think there's going to be a week that goes by without something pretty sick happening in Chargers world. So can't wait for all of that to come into fruition. Can't wait for all of our listeners, viewers to be able to kind of take part in that with us. It's going to be a wild ride. Jake, as always, you can find Jake and his backwards hat, his five o'clock shadow at Jake T. Hefner on Twitter. You can find myself at Chargers Homer. Last thing before we head out, Herbalist as a question. Give us a bold prediction. How many sacks do the Chargers give up next year with the improved O-line? It's an incomplete answer because there is no right tackle for the Chargers right now. So... If that's the case, then there's going to be a lot of sacks given up. <laughs> we can't we can't accurately say this right now until we know for sure who's going to be taking that right tackle spot. There goes Jake with door number three. Now I can answer the question. All right, guys, right. for Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkinson, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, feel free to like, subscribe, tune in to any show you can find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys so much. Bolt up. Go Chargers. And we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.